Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,428. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Royal Oak, Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Glenn Stevens. Hey, Glenn, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am, Mark. It's great to meet you and have a chance to talk today. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, absolutely. You're doing a very important thing, you and your team, so I wanted to share your story. And before I start with that, could you tell us one little thing that maybe people don't know about Glenn Stevens? Well, I gave that some consideration. I, I think the thing that people get a little surprised by, it's not that strange, is I was born in Germany. Oh. Uh, so my parents were both teachers. They're both American but they were both over teaching in the 60s and uh, were camping and traveling around and then had me in, in Munich and I kind of ruined their fun for a while. So they, <laughs> they, they moved back to the States and and then became, became career educators. But uh, I think that's probably something most people wouldn't assume. And I'm proud of that too. And I've traveled there and love the country and love the city. Well, Munich, a great city. I've been there a couple times. I've been there to visit the BMW factory. So uh, some wonderful cars there. I'm a big uh, German car fan. So that's very cool. How old were you when your parents brought you back to the States? We came back as almost four. four. So okay. I really don't remember it very much. I just have some very scant recollections. But I've traveled back to on, on business and uh, took my middle son back there a couple of years ago when we went to Salzburg for a wedding. And nice. just love the culture and the people. And I've been to the, the factories and in uh, at VW and Mercedes and, and BMW too myself. And I really thought those were cool experiences. Yeah, very cool. Well, my regular listeners know that I, I share something a little bit similar to your story. I was made in Japan. Oh. My, my parents were stationed there. My dad was fulfilling his ROTC college obligations with the Army, and they sent my mom and dad to Japan. And in fact, I just sent a picture this morning to somebody who was looking for interesting car pictures of my mom standing on the back of the car they bought there when the day they learned that I was going to be a part of their life. Uh, Yeah, I believe she was just 20 years old. And uh, yeah, so pretty fun. So I can always say I was made in Japan. It's stamped somewhere on my rear end. I can't see it, but uh, you know, maybe before the good stuff was made in Japan, but uh, at any rate, it makes for a good story. But she came back before I was born, so I don't remember any of it. But I have been back there a few times. Uh, It's a wonderful place to go visit. Very unique place for sure. And so I always say there's a little bit of Japanese wasabi in me somewhere. So (laughs) kind of fun. Let me give you an introduction here. We're going to dive into what you do. Glenn Stevens is the executive director of Mish Auto and the vice president of automotive and mobility initiatives in the Detroit Regional Chamber. His mission is to promote, grow, and retain Michigan's automotive and next-generation mobility industries. Mish Auto is focused on developing the state, the state's automotive industry in the key areas of talent, advocacy, awareness, startup innovation, and next-gen mobility, along with the digital economy. Glenn has over 35 years of management, strategy, and operations experience across the automotive, mobility, steel, specialty chemicals, capital equipment, industries, and 
economic development sectors. Sounds like you were made for this role. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so please give them a little love, and we'll be right back. We're in Michigan, baby. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up. But my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Glenn, I really wanted to have you on the show because so much we've heard about Michigan and how the buildup of Michigan came and the car industry and this, this massive powerhouse. I thought, what better than to have a Glenn on the show to talk about what they're doing to revitalize things and bring people into the industry and off, uh, offer opportunities for them. So can you talk about what Mish Auto is and the many, many facets of what it is you're doing? A whole lot of good. Sure, sure. So as you know, our industry is about 120 years old here in Michigan, and it is the central part of our economy. It's not the only part, but it is the signature industry here. And so our economy has ebbed and flowed over time. It has been the benefit of the inflection point. It has been 
uh, inflection points in, in the history of the industry, and it's also felt it harder than most, too. And one of the things that back in about 2007 that a group of us, we all had day jobs. I was I was an executive at one of the automotive suppliers and my friends all had jobs. We said we don't have an association that is focused on speaking for being a voice for the industry. We don't have uh, a policy agenda for, to protect and grow the industry. We're not focused enough on the talent pipeline for the industry. So we, from a grassroots standpoint, formed Mish Auto back in 2007. And in 2012, it came under the umbrella of the Detroit Regional Chamber, which is the third or fourth largest chamber of commerce in the country. So we're, we're our home is at the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce, but Mish Auto is a statewide industry association. And we're a little different in that we have a big tent. We have the OEMs, the Ford, GM, Stellantis, Toyotas, but we also have major tier suppliers, smaller tiers. We have universities, community colleges, startups, all different stakeholders of the industry here. And our focus is to promote, retain, and grow it with a very heavy focus on policy. And probably our biggest commitment is the talent supply chain for the industry. And as the industry changes, the talent changes. So that's our our, uh, objectives. And again, it's to promote, retain, and grow the industry in Michigan. And I've been you know, helped start it in 2007 and now have been leading it full time. This is this is my 10th uh, year doing this. Well, it's tremendous. And uh, for you and your pals to get together and say, hey, we need to do something to help the community and help people in the community is awesome. I mean, really, really important. And I always say this, I've learned after interviewing so many people that we are our best when we are helping others. That really is the most fulfilling thing for human beings, I believe, to do. And I've learned it after talking to so many people. So uh, what were the the catalysts, I guess, to stimulate you and your friends to say, we really need to do this? Because having full-time jobs and families and all those obligations say, oh, we'll just add this little thing to our, li- our life. What was it that pushed you into realizing this is my calling? I think the biggest thing is that uh, is our commitment to the place that we live and we grew up in and we call home, and that's Michigan. I I grew up up on Lake Superior in the northern part of the state. My friends, a lot of them were here from Detroit, and we really are, are very passionate about the place we live, and we want it to be as strong as possible and as viable as possible. And because we were all in the auto industry, we were seeing some some significant shifts um, and have for some time. Obviously, the industry is much different than it was. We saw a big shift into the Mid-South and the South and then to Mexico with manufacturing. So we wanted to make sure that we were focused on protecting the industry we have, but also make sure we were growing it. And we also wanted to be on top of the evolution. Back in around 2014, 15, this word mobility started to enter the fray. And as autonomous, connected, shared, and electrified started to move into the industry and the tech industry was intersecting and the clean energy energy uh, industry was intersecting, we wanted to make sure that Michigan was on the forefront of those changes. So that's really been behind why we've done it. And now we're we're about 100 uh, organizations and companies that are, are investors. We're 501c3, so they, they support our work and you know, we feel real good about where we're at, but we don't rest because we want to be in this business for another 120 years plus. Well, there you go. Well, eat your Wheaties. 
and take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long We haul. go hard all week. There is no question that it is a very dyma- dynamic industry and business. Well, it sure sounds like it. So when you look at Michigan and this dynamic community that has such a legacy of in the auto industry, I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. What are some of the areas that you guys are pushing to revitalize, if, if you will, or move things forward? Because the word mobility, you're right. So many people go, well, that could mean anything. But one thing that I've realized, and I've seen it with younger people is there's a lot of people that have decided to take different kinds of paths other than traditional college. And they are at the forefront of this revitalization into all sectors of mobility, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. I think I think the thing that, that we're most focused on is, is, again, the people. And that means making sure that the people that grow up in Michigan and other automotive communities, that they understand that this vehicle and this manufacturing setting, the factory four 4.0, uh, the the connected vehicle, the electrified, the hydrogen powered vehicle, the software enabled vehicle. This is the most high tech consumer product on the face of the earth. Yes. So if you want to work in the tech industry, and that means everything from skilled trades on the factory floor to tool and die to computer simulation and engineering and testing all the way to the cloud, you can do that in this industry. You can have a career and you can build a great life and build and work in a, in a and live in a place, Michigan, that has more fresh water than anywhere on the face of the earth and yeah. resources and communities. So that's our biggest focus is making sure that we, ha- we show people the opportunity that the industry has. Well, it really does. And there are so many components. And what you just said about the most complex machine that people have, it's gotten even more complex with all the computers and the way these systems work. It's really a complicated device that most people, I think, take for granted, but it provides us so many things. What would you say or where does your crystal ball see the automotive industry going? And I want to go too far out because it seems to be changing by the hour, but maybe just in the next three to five years as it relates to Michigan and the manufacturing and and production of automobiles. Well, I think I I refer to to four words that really have been in play for a few years now. And some people use the acronym CASE or ACEs, but Let's use that autonomous, connected, electrified, and shared. Well, we know that the autonomous technology has existed. And when we say autonomous, we mean automated. So the safety features in a vehicle, the blue cruise type of technology, that is absolutely at the forefront of things. So we, we see that. Now, we do, we have seen, that could be a whole podcast by itself, some interesting developments on the pure autonomous driving, particularly with what's been going on in California, but there's no question that the electrified is taking off and it's it's an uncharted territory. It's not an if, it's a when, and it's how fast this curve of adoption will be. And there's no question that the digital and software part of the vehicle, we saw that with the chip shortage, uh, how important the connectivity and the, the electronics were in the vehicle, but an electric vehicle actually has twice as more semiconductors as a, a, a typical internal combustion electronics vehicle. So we're going to see a proliferation of these technologies move into the future. I think right now everybody has electrified on their mind, but the digitally enabled, subscription enabled car and vehicle is really something that is growing tremendously too. 
Oh, it is. I've had so many people on the show just in the last year alone in the EV world or autonomous world or even taking these ideas. I just had a guest on the show two weeks ago from Free to Move, and they're part of the Stellantis group, and Stellantis owns a whole bunch of manufacturers of cars. And this Free to Move is taking the concept of renting cars to an entirely different level in different platform where you can basically go on your phone and say, I need a car for an hour or for a week or for a month or for a year. And you just type and they say, okay, go here. There's a car sitting there waiting for you. And eventually, of course, that car will come to you with nobody in it. You'll just get in and enjoy it or maybe even come to you and then drive you around. So you have your own personal chauffeur that's invisible. Yeah, and and that's the shared use economy of mobility. You know, just like, um, you know, Netflix changed the streaming world where we can consume uh, digital content and movies anywhere, anytime, anyplace on multiple devices on demand. That's what the shared use economy is. If you go to places like London or, you know, places like Helsinki where you have an app and you have the Oyster system or WIM in Helsinki, you can move on different types. You can rent a vehicle, bikes subway train boat and that's at demand and people don't have to own a vehicle they can move that way and we do see that a lot in urban settings and that's a big part of the industry's growth too i think it's fantastic we really do live in i believe the best of times because there's so many opportunities out there just waiting for people to get involved what would you say has been your driving inspiration to get involved in this? And I typically ask this question to have you talk about maybe a person in your life or a mentor, but is there something else behind this push for what you and your team are doing? Well, I, I spent uh, the pretty much the first two thirds of my career in the industry, the auto industry and the, the capital equipment and chemical industry. I worked for a Japanese company for the first third of my career. And I and I travel the world and, and travel to North America and, and love the industry and, and, and just feel like it's a fascinating industry. But I made a big pivot uh, about halfway through my career and went to work for an association that represented all the automotive suppliers. It was called OESA at the time. It's called MEMA now. And so I made a big shift because I really thought that being of service to the industry was really something that I wanted to do. And then I helped start Mish Auto and it became about being of service to Michigan and Michigan's economy and the auto industry here. And so it's really mission-based work and that's why I do what I do. And that's why our team does what we do. I got to be honest with you. I think that was frankly just instilled by my parents, who they were. And our, my mom passed away a couple months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. My dad is still with us, but they're both, they were both public servants. They both were educators and worked at, also in the university system. And they were, they were very involved in community. And that's how I was raised, right? And that's how I kind of go through life. And I think that the work that we do to support the auto industry here in Michigan and abroad and the commitment to manufacturing and the commitment to talent and to the future is that's the driver for me. That's wonderful. Awesome. My condolences for the loss of your mom. That's a wonderful legacy that they've left you with. It's just tremendous. So Indeed. Thank you. you. They, they knew the secret sauce to life way, way, way back before <laughs> right. some, of, some of the rest of us figured it out. Now, how about challenges? When you look at Michado and what you guys are doing, what would you say is the biggest challenge going into the future for you? Well, I think, I think the biggest challenge is 
here in Detroit and Michigan and in other places, uh, I think it's mindset. I think it's do you people, uh, neighbors, friends, um, peers in the industry, do we have a forward thinking mindset um, that we're going to adopt and we're going to embrace change? Or do we want to be stuck in a mindset that is we want things to be the way they've always been? And that doesn't work that way because you are either the victim of an inflection point or you figure out how to take the upward trajectory of that inflection point that impacts you. And mobility and electrification and, you know, going back in time, the gas crisis and, and when, the, when, the, when the Japanese first started building vehicles here and came to this country, those were inflection points in the industry. And you're either a victim of them or you, or you figure out how to grow. You cannot stay the same. So I think the mindset to be willing to change and grow is probably the biggest challenge to get through to people. Boy, and that's a tough one because change is one of those uncomfortable things for many people. You know, you talk to people, go, why couldn't it be like it used to be? Well, because it's not, and it really shouldn't be. It can't be. It needs to evolve and change and grow. So exactly. what would you say is a, well, there's a lot of ways to do this, but maybe one way for all of us to think a little bit about changing our mindset to improve our surroundings? Well, you know, I give that a lot of thought because unfortunately, and this is not a unique period in history, but it is our period in history, both you and I know and your listeners know that we are a very polarized society right now. And there is a lot of fear that is instilled in people um, from different sides and factions. um, And that that, that affects mindset. So I, I think that, you know, it's really important to communicate and to to try and stay in the middle as poss- much as possible and not to become part of those fringes and part of the problem. And so I think that's really the most important thing that we can do. And, and I find that, you know, whether we're talking to legislators or we're talking to young people about coming into the industry, it really is about talking to people and educating them about what's going on and what the opportunity is And sometimes you have to give them a little sense of urgency about how fast things are changing. And do you want to be left in the dust (laughs) or do you want to be on that forefront? Right. Boy, it's a huge challenge for sure. But well, well worth it uh, on all levels. When you look at Michado, what's on your guys' bucket list for the next, let's say, two to three years? I hate to go out too much further than that. Yeah, I the most important thing is is the people that are needed for the industry. the industry is growing, but the, the talent requirements and the nature of, of manufacturing, whether it be automation or machine learning um, in the factory floor, but the design, the engineering, the testing, and the vehicles that are going to be on the roads and are on the roads, the talent needed for that with regards to the software-enabled vehicle and the electrification of the vehicle, this is very different than the way a 120-year-old internal combustion based uh, vehicle was designed and engineered and brought to market. So our biggest focus is making sure that we have the pipeline of the right talent at all the different facets and levels of the supply chain of, of human capital in the industry. That's what that's our biggest focus. Absolutely. Two of my charities of, of uh, 
focus here are RPM Foundation and TechForce Foundation, who both provide those opportunities for people uh, to do those kinds of things. So um, I would encourage listeners to look into those, but also at the end of the show, we'll talk about how you can learn more about Michado and perhaps offer some support to them or uh, reach out and saying, hey, how can I get involved? For sure. You know, I like to talk a little bit about you personally and maybe a special vehicle in your life. Has there been a car that's really stood out for you? And if so, could you tell us a story about that ride? Well, I think probably one of the most favorite cars, uh, I'll give you two. Cool. When my dad and mom came back from, from Germany, they brought a Peugeot with them. And so we had a Peugeot. That was the first car I remember. We actually had a, a white one and we had a black one that my dad found used uh, up in the Upper Peninsula. That one did not last very long. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, those were your first cars you remember um, as a kid. But I think the one that kind of is the most special to me was my, when my grandfather passed. He gave uh, his 72 Lincoln Continental uh, to my dad, and that was what I drove to high school every day. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding? (laughs) (laughs) And I could fit about 12 of my friends in in that vehicle. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. Did it move and did it have a lot of metal? But I just have such fond memories of that that car for a lot of different reasons. And and it wasn't too bad in the snow either, which – but, boy – if you weren't careful, stopping that thing was not easy to do. So I think that was probably that. That's probably one that you know I, I have in my mind. Wow, what color was that beast? It was red. It was crimson. Oh my gosh! With, wow, with a white with a white top and just a <laughs> just a beautiful vehicle. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that is quite a ride for a high school kid. But yeah, you exactly could, you could take all your friends everywhere. So that's pretty cool. Well, I like to play car psychologist and kind of climb into your head a little bit. But this question is rather unique in that I wonder if you could tell me what kind of vehicle you would be if you were manifest as a vehicle. And this isn't what you want to be, though. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror and what you are doing with your life these days, all wrapped up into some kind of a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I don't have a specific brand or year, but what I would say the type of vehicle would be a, a, a classic pickup. Okay. You know, one, one from the 50s, probably a Ford, GM, a Chrysler, a pickup, because I just, I feel like, I feel like they're steady. I feel like they're durable. Um, I feel like they have the past in them, um, but they're still with us. And I, I just, you know, I listen, I, I, I go a mile a minute. We, we have so many different things we're working on. And um, other people might tell you that I'm a different type of vehicle. But for me, I think that's more what I want to emulate is that get there, be steady about it, be intentional about it and, and produce results. And I, I think that's the type of vehicle that comes to mind for me. Well, and you think about the pickup and the importance that vehicle has played uh, specifically in the United States that still to this day, how many people drive pickups that never put anything in the back of them? Uh, yes. they're, they're just a mainstay of, of what we do in the United States. And of course, that's evolved around the world as well. They get the job done, let's say. <laughs> right. To quote one or of those ad case. campaigns, job one, right? <laughs> it's job one. And right in this, in this case, now we have the frunk. Uh, we can put things <laughs> in the front. I know. I, I just took an F one fifty Lightning on a two two week drive, testing out the charging network. Ford oh. lent, lent me one for a, a trip, and that vehicle was just incredible. But to think that you can put stuff in the back and the front now, yeah, because the propulsion system is not where it used to be, is is kind of amazing. 
Well, I have to ask you about your experience because uh, we've had lots of talk and especially of late of the EV industry and there's some worries now that maybe this all got pushed a little too fast and consumers are still wary and not buying these cars. I've rented a Tesla twice now, once in the summer for a week and then once uh, a couple months ago when we were visiting our grandkids in Arizona. And my experience changed my opinion in a way, not in a bad way. And I kind of had it... I don't dislike EVs. I, if it rolls on rubber, I probably love it. I'm a car guy. But I'm wondering what your experience was, especially traveling around. And of course, the big challenge with EVs is the tether, as I like to call it. You got to right. plug it in. So wh- what was your, was this the first time you took an EV out on the road? No, I, I don't own an EV, but I have driven them. Um, that's kind of a, a, a benefit, but also a big part of my job is to be able to I try to drive the vehicles that uh, and test them out that are built and designed and engineered here in Michigan. And there's 12 assembly plants in Michigan, so there's a lot of them. So in the last year, I, I took a Ford Mach-E Mustang, and I also took a Ford Lightning a few weeks ago. So the vehicles are incredible. I mean, I am a believer in the technology. I'm a believer in why we need the technology. Um, I, I can't say enough about that lightning, um, you know, with the Blue Cruise technology and the safety technology, the, N, the, 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 the NVH in those vehicles is absolutely incredible. But, but Mark, we are just not ready from an infrastructure standpoint. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I believe too. Nothing but frustration with the charging network into uh, Northern Michigan. And then I also took it into Southern Ohio and down to West Virginia and, just not easy to do. Um, I knew what I was getting my in, in my my <laughs> into, but but that is that is a big big challenge for us right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's right. It's kind of putting the uh, cart before the horse, if you will, <laughs> to use an interesting <laughs> analogy for the automotive transportation industry. Well, we'll get there eventually, I believe. It just takes time. We it's, will. It's a big undertaking for sure. Is there a great book that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, my favorite business book. Um, I read a lot. My parents pretty much showed me where the library was How bad. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid and I lived at the Peter White Public Library. So I have a deep of affection for libraries and bookstores, particularly independent ones. So I do a lot of reading. But my favorite and probably the most instrumental business book was by the founder, co-founder and chairman of Intel. He wrote a book called Only the Paranoid Survive. <laughs> and that book to really literally I refer to all the time. In fact, I referred to it a little bit earlier when I was talking about inflection points because what Andy Grove talked about was is how do you exploit in a positive way the crisis that faces your your business, your economy, your community, your personal life. And again, things can't stay the same. You have to figure out how do I take the upward trajectory on that inflection point when it hits me. So I, I would highly recommend that one. Awesome. You know, I don't think anybody's recommended that book, and I'm a little bit surprised with as many books that I have listed on my uh, guest recommendations page on my website, which is well over 3,000 now by uh, all my inspiring automotive enthusiasts. So thanks for bringing a new book to the playing field. Uh, Absolutely. I can resonate with that for sure. Well, let's go on the ultimate drive before I let you go. I'm going to park something really fun in your driveway. Whatever it is, don't worry. I'll pay for it. If you want something crazy wild, I've had people 
talk about even airplanes, submarines, all sorts of stuff. And you can take it on a, on a drive uh, or a ride, depending on what you choose. But here's the key is you can take somebody with you that perhaps isn't with us anymore, which opens up a world of unique opportunities when you think of all the people that have been on this planet. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Well, can I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the drive and then I'll tell you, I'd like to split it between two vehicles, which will make some sense. So yeah, I, I, would do love, that. <laughs> I would love to do the Lincoln highway. Oh, okay. So that's, that is, and I am going to do it in the next couple of years, but I'd love to start in Times Square and get right to Lincoln Park in San Francisco. And of course that'll take me right across the country. So that would be the route. And I would split it between a 65 a Mustang convertible and a and a 2024 Ford GT Mach EV. <laughs> okay, that's what I would do. I would love to do that drive in in two segments in two ways, and I would make sure that I took the segment that had the best charging network. Of course, for the EV. Boy, that the the question of who to take would is really a tough one because I'd love to take my father. I'd love to take one of my sons, but that couldn't I have three sons. So that would, I couldn't put, pick one of them that would And if the other two heard this podcast, I think it would be my grandfather who was my, my dad's dad. I didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. He was gone from us really before, not really before I was born. So I only know him through pictures and stories. And I, because he, he helped shape who we are as a family and he had his own story. Yeah. I'd like to hear that story and I don't know that story. So that, I think that's who I take with me. Cool. Sounds like fun. Well, what I'll do is I'll have a big power generator on a transporter. So they'll just kind of follow. And at night, they'll pull up, plug the EV in or unload one car, load another one. And that way you can do it any way you want. So I I chuckled a little bit because Stellantis just announced that they are going to build and sell a Ram truck that has a generator uh, as an option. So (laughs) there's where we're at right now. Well, you know, uh, there are a lot of talented people on this planet. And when they see a need for something, they figure out how to create it. That's right. And uh, fill that void and uh, have a way of making a a business out of it and making some income out of it. So that's the the wonderful ways of the world and all the smart people that we're surrounded by. So it's very cool. Well, you're taking us on a fun ride today, Glenn. I'm so happy we got to share what you're doing. Could you leave us with some parting words of wisdom, a mantra, or a success quote? So I, I have two kind of quotes that I really, really like, and I use them a lot. Um, I use them where where they're needed. And one is forward thinking and one is reflective. And so the, the, the forward thinking one is that there's always a next step. And that means that when you face adversity or there's a change in your life or you're trying to figure out what to do, there's always a next step. And there's always going to be somebody there to help you take that step. Uh, and so I think that's an important one. But the other one, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day who had suffered a loss uh, of a relative and, and sometimes, you know, things come to an end or, or a person leaves us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a simple Dr. Seuss quote that is, don't be sad because it's over, be happy because it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that quote. And I think that that really puts things in perspective and makes us appreciate what we had, but also understand that. Things move on and and we can always have those memories and they're happy memories. Well, the wonderful thing about that quote is if you have a bad experience and something that 
was good turned bad and ended. That quote works really well to say, don't focus on the ending, focus on the good parts of the experience. It's a hard thing to do, but it really helps you redefine the experience so much better than defining that. You know, it's like the end of life. If you get sick, have cancer, and you're going to pass away, that doesn't define your entire life. That's a part of it. Of course, a tragic part of it. Focus back on on the past and be grateful for what right. you got. You know that's yeah. The- I get a, I told somebody at breakfast with the automotive CEO this morning, and uh, I, I I never ever we all have issues. We all get frustrated, and I'm just like everybody else. But I do get up grateful and do appreciate the day. I do. Yeah, there's that secret where I've heard so many people say when you get up in the morning, the first thought should be, "What am I grateful for today?" That's right. Um, and I remember my dad was really good with that. I lost him about six and a half years ago. And I'm he sorry. said, well, you know, um, he said, he, he said, you know, every morning when I get up, the first thing I say is, well, I'm still six feet above the dirt instead of under it. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of a, a funny that's thing, right. but uh, that's the first thing he thought was, well, I got to wake up another day. So what that's am I right. going to do with this day? So, yeah, he was a very positive person. How can people learn more about Mish Auto? So we are at... M-I-C-H-A-U-T-O dot org, org, And uh, I personally am on LinkedIn, um, use it pretty extensively. I'm on Twitter and, and things like that. So love to connect with people who want to learn more about the work we're doing here in Michigan. But, you know, also on behalf of the industry everywhere. Um, this is a, an exciting industry, a high-tech industry, a growth industry. And if there's anything I can do to help anybody out there as they move along that journey, I'm happy to do that. And I have a personal website, too, uh, that's tied to Michigan, and that's called michiganstreet.org. And that's really me telling the story of, and, uh, and images and, and, and pictures of what goes on here in the state of Michigan from a pure Michigan um, you know, lifestyle and outdoor resource and, and beautiful place and community to live. So michauto.org and michiganstreet.org. I'll put all these links on Glenn Shono's page. A spectacular. Check them out. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Gil Hall. He's the one who put me together with Glenn today. So Gil, thank you very, very much. Glenn, thank you for being so generous today and sharing this incredibly important job that you and your team are doing. Oh man. It's absolutely spectacular. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you hopefully down the road in Michigan. Thanks, Mark. We'd love to have you. You're always welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!